Hey there, good movie buddies. It's your very best good movie buddy, Rick Williamson here. And I just wanted to say before we get started with the episode, thank you. Thank you to everybody who's joined us for the last year. We are celebrating our one year anniversary of the popcorn diet started back in June 1st. 2017. So how do we celebrate that? By recording in a hotel room in New Orleans where the air conditioning is blowing on high and we're going to talk about a movie that probably not a lot of you have heard of in Upgrade. So again, I just wanted to thank everybody who's taking the time out to listen, to participate, to follow us on social media, to read our reviews. This is something that we love. It's something that we wanted to share with anybody who is willing to listen, and for those of you who joined us, again, I can't thank you enough. And now, on with the show. Welcome, all you good movie buddies, to the Popcorn Diet Podcast for those who live on a steady diet of movie theater popcorn and other movie snacks, such as... Cajun seasoned popcorn because we are coming to you from a hotel room in New Orleans. As always, my name is Rick Williamson, your very best good movie buddy. And with me, as usual, is our other good movie buddy, the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn. David, how are you doing today? I am full of delicious food. Delicious shrimp and grits for you. I feel like... It's an upgrade over your standard food in a city. Yeah, you should feel that way. It's delicious. It's very good. And we, uh, you know, we do, we travel for a living. It's been talked about before. This isn't our first mobile episode. Um, but I will get off right, you know, right off the bat. I will apologize if the sound quality is a little funky because we got the air conditioning running. The humidity is killing us. Um, but nonetheless, when, when you and I find ourselves on the road together... We always find the opportunity to go see a movie and podcast, and <laughs> it's kind of funny. We've had all these huge franchise movies that we've been hitting up. We had Solo. We had Deadpool. We had The Avengers, and now we kind of, not really a palate cleanser, but kind of a palate cleanser with this movie Upgrade, um, which I would venture to say not many people are even familiar with. I would say that's accurate. You saw the trailer. We showed you. You were aware of it, right? I was aware of it. Okay, but but not really. I mean, it's a pretty straightforward revenge thriller. Yep. Set in a sci-fi future where technology is everywhere, and just to kind of give everybody an idea of what the movie's about. It's funny because we didn't have to do this for Deadpool or Solo, but you know, Upgrade is about a guy, a normal guy, he's a mechanic. And he he and his wife get into an accident, or a, you know, seemingly so, and he's left paralyzed, and his wife is left killed by a group of 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 thugs. And being said in the future, he gets the opportunity to get an implant in his spinal column that gives him not only the ability to walk and function again, but also gives that implant the ability to take over his body and basically turn him into as he says a fucking ninja and he uses it to hunt the guys down and i really like this movie <laughs> we, we i mean it's not this is, listen this is not going to be the densest of podcasts this episode right i mean there's not 
there's really only so much we can talk about with this one. Well, I think I think the thing to be aware of with this film is it's um, done by a company, uh, production company. Is it Bloomhouse? Bl- I think Blumhouse. It's, I think it's Blumhouse. Blumhouse Productions. But basically, they're a production company that specializes in low budget films. Yep. Um, but the interesting thing about them is that they have kind of made it a point um, to specialize in not only small budget films, but also allow the directors to have basically full creative control over the film. Sure. So you get some very unique films. Um, a lot of them do tend to be kind of in that like thriller horror a genre. Lot. I mean, that's where they got started. But, I mean, those are also the films that it seems like you can get the most bang for your buck. You're 100% correct. I mean, horror films are films that you really don't need to spend a ton of money on, and you can make $40 million pretty easily. Well, I mean, even even with that, people don't go in with the same expectations to a horror film. Like, no one walks out of a horror film being like, oh, that acting was terrible. Like, (laughs) the storyline had so many holes in it, like that kind of thing. Like Some people do. They do, but the majority of people that go there, they want to jump, they want to be scared, they want to be on the edge of their seats. Sure, they sure. don't really care how you get to that point. Like they're going to the movie to be scared. They're not going there for some like deep intelligent film, right, you know. Right. So, but but what's nice is that a lot of these films, I mean, particularly this movie, th- I mean, it when I saw the trailer, I'm like this movie looks dumb as fuck and I'm all in for it. But it's not really that dumb of a movie. I'd venture even to say it's a fairly smartly written film. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, going back to the concept behind it, it's it's kind of set in kind of like a uh a um oh like a neo future like a not future. too distant future. Yeah, what was the movie we got last year? Um, that was this. That was this? Oh god. Well, anyways, um, if it comes to it's one it's one of those things where we mix new technology with like that rundown like you've got people driving these cars that float (laughs) or are auto controlled and you also have people driving regular cars as well as you have rundown homeless people just like anything but it's like junkies live in vr yeah exactly so i mean it's one of those quasi like you're in the future but not quite in the future almost almost some similarities to like a ready player one even with Mm -hmm. some of that kind of stuff um, where it's like there's this super advanced technology, but you also have people living in like shacks, sure, you know, and things like that. Yeah, the haves and the have-nots. You know, you live. You, the world is a world where it's clearly futuristic. I mean, you can tell by the skyline; it's very futuristic. Although the city is never designated, I always assumed for it to be some. It's a coastal city of some kind. I thought it might be Detroit or or something like that, but but you know the the. The police drones fill the sky. They can capture your every move. Everything is scanned in. You know, you have AI computers, AI cars, AI houses. um, And that obviously, you know, builds towards this concept of this ultimate AI being able to give him back his his mobility, but also make him more. So... With this film, obviously, we get um, 
really small cast. I think if you go to IMDb, I think there's 17 people listed, and three of them are like uncredited people. Yeah, um, there are so literally three, pe- two people I recognize from this film. Really small cast. Um, and we're big nerds, so yeah, if, if, absolutely. If we can only recognize two people. And that kind of gets us to some of them are like. It's interesting when you get into these small films. Like, there's people that look, sound, maybe <laughs> act like similar to like a big name actor, sure. but are not those big name actors. Yep. You know, so our lead character is uh, remind his, me his name. His name is Great. Well, the character's name is Gray Trace, which is delightful. Gray Trace. Um, yeah. But he's played by Logan Marshall Green, who you might know. I mean, he's been around for a while. He was the the male lead in Prometheus Beyond, Michael Fassbender. He was in a really great film that good friend of the podcast, Jessica Gallagher, introduced to me called The Invitation, a really great little thriller film. But you probably all know him really well as the first shocker in Spider-Man Homecoming. That's his most recent big role, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Um, and he's the main guy. He's he's our he's our hero. But he's basically looks like Tom Hardy. It, and I mean zero disrespect to Logan Marshall Green because I bet th- I bet he hears this all the time. But that motherfucker is discount Tom Hardy in a big bad way. And the thing is to say discount Tom Hardy is 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 doing him a bit of a disservice because everything that he's been in, he's been great in. But he looks so much. If you look up Logan Marshall Green and Tom Hardy, like these guys, especially when you throw a beard on them, identical. Yeah. Oh yeah, practically. And and actually, there's even like as I was you know looking up stuff for this like there's people that have already pointed out that like he's basically like a poor man's version of tom hardy (laughs) right right which again like there's nothing wrong with that no but you can't make a three to five million dollar movie with tom hardy in it anymore exactly well and and that's the thing that you get with this so the question i was going to have where where do you feel like when you get these smaller budget films where do you feel like the low budget is felt the most because the thing is with a low budget film it's a good question you don't have to sacrifice story and writing like if you have a great script and you know all of that like that doesn't need a budget no, like it doesn't at, cost anything to write something look at the some of the great indie films of all time cost no money i mean you look at movies like look, look at most of kevin smith's filmography you know, not to say that those are like the greatest films ever, but most of his films are made for a, a very, very small budget. Hell, most of Blumhouse's films, if if we're going down the list of their films, like you look at their films like Get Out, you look at, um, I mean, all the paranormal, paranormal activity, activities. The first one, the one that even the reason why we probably still have a Blumhouse production. Sure. Cost fifteen thousand dollars to make and made two hundred, almost two hundred million worldwide. Two hundred million for like, fifteen thousand. Like if I could find an investment that was like that, then that, I would. That type of return is unheard of. But like literally, they've only made like three or four movies whose budget has even hit double digits. Yeah, and so I really like this question because if you have a strong enough concept and you have a strong enough story, then you can make a good film. As long as that story doesn't hinge on like a dozen great performances, sure. I think this type of film really only hinges on one—the lead yeah, performance. You need a good lead, um, and then everything else is by the wayside. But your original film is where do we feel that small budget? A thousand percent, it's in the rest of the cast. Oh yeah. Um, 
well, they're all fine. Take take um, take uh, another Blumhouse film, Split. Yep. You literally have one actor playing. Yep. Like seven different roles. Yep. And you that's have, another movie that's pretty tiny cast. You have James McAvoy, you have Anna Taylor Joy, and then everyone else. Yep. And again, that's not to say that they are not good in that film. They're great in no. that film, but they're not somebody who costs a million dollars. Well, there's plenty of people that that's how they get discovered because exactly. it's a great script. It ends up being a great concept and it ends sure. up being like a, a cult a classic or a, a breakout film. And it brings attention to someone that probably wouldn't be getting that attention if not like that's how you get those quick rising another stars, another feel. example is uh dan stevens who was primarily known for being in downton abbey but he was in this small little film which i know i'm pretty sure you haven't seen yet but it's called the guest very similar tone to this kind of thriller action creepy um nature and now he and then he's beauty and the beast he's the beast and now he's in legion that fx um x-men show like, and I hope, because Logan Marshall Green is really good in this movie, that this would be a stepping stone for him, too, because he's gotten his opportunities um, in the bigger budget films. But, like, you know, everyone else, I think the only other person who I recognized in this film was um, was the cop, Cortez, who's played by Betty Gabriel, who none of you probably know by name, but if you saw Get Out, she was the grandmother host. She was the, you saw her in the trailers where she's just like, no, 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 like really weird and creepy and off-putting. She's the badass cop in this film. And she's kind of like, I thought she was um, uh, the girl from The Walking Dead at first. I thought she was, what's her name? Um... Sasha from The Walking Dead. She reminded me of uh, the the one cop from The Wire. Yep. I don't remember her name, but I know who you're talking yep. about. And even like the main bad guy is like discount Jackie Earl Haley. Yeah. Who, for those of you who don't know, that's the guy who played the new Freddy Krueger. He played Rorschach in The Watchmen. He's like this squirrely little dude. And the main sort of villain in this film is that same squirrely little dude. He's good. He's interesting. He's He does a really good job on screen, and his character has interesting ticks about him, but he's just like, you can tell like how they fill that certain role. Like, they filled it, and, and they did a good job. I mean, again, the cast, for, for what they have to work with, I think does really, really well. Um, I think where they really show that budget is in the action, the gore, and then the, the like, they're brief, but they have some really convincing-looking, like, shots of the city. Sure. And I'm like, that looks great. It's, it's not super detailed. It's, like, during dusk, so, like, it's all kind of in shadow. But, like, well, they really stretch that budget with these with their action scenes and their fight scenes and, and the gore, which well, I was a fan of. Well, I think it's a credit to technology in general how far things have come along that it doesn't take as much to get good quality shots and things like that no, probably yeah. as well i think one area i also noticed maybe maybe a little bit was in the music like there's not it's pretty generic like in the music and i feel like it may be like the same thing the so, entire movie long so yeah but it's a really it's a it's um it's again, it's like a retro futuristic yeah. synthesizer score. It's a very 80s 
Like I feel like someone score. probably one dude on a keyboard probably did the entire soundtrack. Very that's what that's how they did it for the Terminator. Yeah. It was one guy with the keyboard. But like that reminded me of soundtracks for like um Drive with Ryan Gosling <laughs> or the guest that I mentioned had very similar eighties throwback synthesizer music yeah. to it that really works. I mean, the cinematography in this film's gorgeous. There are a couple shots in this film that are like bathed in deep blues and reds. That just look, they look like a million bucks. They look fantastic. Um, And then what's really great is we didn't mention the director, Lee Wannell, um, who came from the Saw franchise. He's the Lee, Lee um, is the guy who wrote and directed the first Saw movie. So not only do we get Blumhouse, who's responsible for all this, but then we get the guy who's responsible for maybe the most. Um, I don't want to say prestigious, but the biggest horror franchise of the last decade. Um, And what I really like is that he brought his penchant for gore to the movie. Yeah. Um, Because and if you've watched the R rated, like the Red Band trailer, you've seen some of the stuff to it. But this movie gets gets messy. Yeah. And I'm all for it. Like they not only in the fights and, and the way that he kills people. But like also in the technology, yeah. Um, and and then and then again, that goes back to, it's not that hard to do good gore. Like it's not that expensive. You don't yeah. need to CGI. Like so many people do CGI blood now. Like yes, yeah. and that's fine. That's inventive in its own way. Yeah. But there's nothing quite like making a fake head and like cutting it in half. Or yeah, something. absolutely. Um. So the last thing that I wanted to talk with you about, David, before we get into, you know, spoilers, and there's not like a ton to get into in regards to spoilers. It's not like the world is clamoring for us to keep a secret on this film. But I think one of my favorite parts of the movie, and we we talked about this at the beginning, was kind of how it portrays technology in the future. And I think it secretly has a little bit more to say about it than you might assume. Yeah. Did you pick up anything like that? Yeah, well, I think you see it a couple times. Like, um, you know, obviously our main character in this movie fixes up old cars old, that are got an old going, by, going by the wayside. Like, it's everybody's riding in these automated, basically think of like driverless vehicles. Yeah. Um, and it's showing that they're kind of going away. But, like, people literally don't know how to drive anymore right because they've never had to because it drives for them or um you know people don't even like there was little hints of like people don't know how to interact in certain ways because right like they're not forced to like face-to-face interact with someone right, right. you know or or even uh you know just f- random skills that like a person can do that a machine can't do like he makes the comment at one point in the movie about like there's some things a machine can't do right like, which may have been the line that got himself got his wife killed and and <laughs> got him paralyzed yeah but that interaction in that early scene um I think is one of the most direct ones that they make sure I I, I really I, I think it's kind of funny how this film sort of it's a it's a really straightforward revenge film, but it's boosted by the the, 
the, the technology, not only the fake technology that's depicted in the film, but the modern technology that's used in the film. Um, in making the film, you know, the camera movements are really creative. But I also thought there were a few times where they were like, technology kind of sucks, guys, and we need to be careful about this. You know, not only with the drones in the in the skies always being there and always watching, sure. but like the there were a couple of scenes where an automated car just starts giving you an error. And I'm like, yeah. that's fucking terrifying. Yeah. Like, or or uh um you know, the ability to augment your body in various different types of kooky ways. Sure. Like that's creepy. Yeah. And the uh, the the robot um the medical robot that he kept trying to uh trick yeah. like i'm like this is just there were a couple moments where i was like really unsettled by the technology and i thought that that was really clever something interesting about the technology in this film is that i don't feel like there's much in there like everything that was in this film i could see being real in the next 10 years sure except for maybe one thing you have two the, things you have the driverless cars, obviously. Sure. We're already getting that. You have the robots that can make you whatever meal you want. Yep. There's already that those. Exists. Those exist. Yep. Um, you have like the smart tables that you know you can yep, that shit get exists. your mail and all that kind of stuff. Yep. Um, the drones. The drones, obviously. So there's a lot of technology. Like even though we're in this like futuristic world and they never put like a date on like right you never know when it like is. it didn't say like 2022 or something like that sure. you just which is really smart like yeah it keeps it like it's sometime in the future in some city yeah absolutely um uh, so like most of the technology obviously i don't think we're five ten years away from like a chip that can be implanted on your spine that right can or allow a, you to walk or a gun that's in embedded in your arm which is fucking I mean, awesome. <laughs> I mean, I could see that being like able to be done, but like I don't see a purpose, like why you would do it. Like I'm going to load shells into my bicep and then right? cock the gun by folding my arm. <laughs> yeah. So, what are you doing? Yeah. But I love that. I love that this film's willing to go into those weird areas, but like very much so. You know, we're, we'll talk a little bit more in, in regards to spoilers. Um, everything that we've talked about has already been seen in the trailer. But I think, you know, this is a, a very much a B movie. It's a great B movie. It knows it's a B movie. And it uses that and, and it uses the modern technology and just a really smart script to sort of rise above being a B movie. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it, it ain't winning any Oscars. The performances are all fine. Um, the 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 villains could maybe be a little bit more memorable, but I give this a movie theater popcorn. I thought it was it's four popcorns. I thought it was a B movie. I enjoyed myself quite a bit, despite being, you know, ten thirty showing sure. in New Orleans. I enjoyed myself quite a bit. How about you? Yeah, you know, I might put it down just a, a little bit lower notch, but again, it it wasn't that it like didn't live up to expectations sure. i think i came in expecting like this is a movie like if we didn't do a podcast i probably would just wait and <laughs> maybe watch it as a rental yeah um yeah so like from that standpoint like i'm not encouraging anybody and saying like you need to get out there because it's the summer there's tons of movies that you need to see before you see this film sure but, but if you're if you I mean, go ahead, I'll let you finish. But if you're wanting to see a movie, you're wanting an escape from kind of the norm, like this is a this is a, 
entertaining movie. I yeah. think I think you'll enjoy it if you're into these types of movies. Like don't don't go into it expecting John Wick and you won't be disappointed. <laughs> yeah, I mean we've already listed off a handful of movies that kind of give you a barometer of what to expect here. If you're into all of those movies, you're going to be into this movie. You'll probably enjoy it. Yep. Um, we'll talk about spoilers in just a little bit. Before we do, uh, as always, I want to remind everybody that you can follow us on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, at The Popcorn Diet. All of these films that we do on the podcast, we write a review for them. We post it on the Popcorn Diet or on just popcorndietpodcast.com. And then, of course, remember... You're listening to this podcast right now. You can subscribe for absolutely free wherever you're listening to get David and I or or a special guest movie buddy at any point in time right to you every week on your mobile device, whether it be through Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or anywhere where you can listen to podcasts. So do us a favor, subscribe, throw a rating on there for us, um, and uh, and and we'd be happy to to be welcomed into your lives every week. Um, but as far as spoilers go, David, I really just kind of wanted to talk about just some of my just general favorite parts of the film. Um, and we kind of talked about this a little bit before, but I really enjoyed how it managed to balance being really bloody and brutal and grisly, but also really funny. Yeah. Um, particularly the first scene where he lets Stem take over his body and he's beating the shit out of that guy. And he's just like, oh, my God, what's happening? Oh, why would you do that? Stay down. Please, please stay down. <laughs> you, you know what that reminded me of? It reminded me of the trailer for Venom with Tom Hardy in it. Because that trailer has a very similar scene. Um, I don't know if you remember, but it's when you know Tom Hardy's taken over by the Venom symbiote or however you pronounce it and he does the same thing he beats a sh- beats the shit out of a bunch of dudes and he's just like why would why would we do that um but i really like that scene not for nothing that it was super violent but i thought that that was a perfect m- sort of marriage of everything the film could be funny violent creative all that kind of thing. Did you have any specific parts that you enjoyed more than any more than? Yeah, others? I mean, I loved all the inner dialogue um, and back and forth between uh-huh. between Gray and Stem. Yeah, um, I really enjoyed that. Um, I think those were the the best and definitely the most memorable um, parts of the film. Sure, um, the action is is solid. Um, I think probably. Um, I don't know which one I would say is probably the best. I actually think maybe the best fight is the is the first one, <laughs> just because like because you have that back and forth dialogue as sure. it's going on. Like all the other ones are perfectly fine. Sure, and they're, they're good. Um, I wish the final one would have went on just a little bit longer. I really liked that he ends up fighting a guy who's all been enhanced and he's got cybernetic features and shit like that like and that they can go toe to toe with one another well and i do like too that you know coming back to that technology thing stem at one point says in the fight like i can't i've tried everything like i can't beat this guy right and so like basically like he needs gray to step in and like think like a human Mm -hmm. and fight dirty almost Mm -hmm. and like think outside the box like basically talks trash to him yeah. and like 
gets him to get outside of his him to go to his human side too because yeah. that's the thing about both him and Fisk the, the bad guy the stash bad guy um they're both still human but they're also both part machine right. or well, computer if, and Fisk even tells him like stop being so emotional like don't yeah. let your emotions get in the way yeah and he plays on he plays on that i wish fisk would have died a little bloodier yeah i would have liked to have seen his head fall off or something yeah um we did get someone's head blown off the previous bad guy that's that got, true got, that's got true. the uh, arm arm gun to his head so we got the one guy who got his his mouth basically almost Cut it off. Almost decapitated over, uh, but through the mouth yep. with that with the butcher knife. Yep. That was a great kill. Um, it was very like if I hadn't seen it in the previews, I would have been like, oh holy shit! Um, there was the guys he beat up in the bathroom, which I like because he was getting real. He starts getting cocky. Yeah, and he's just like, I didn't forget about you. And then he has them slice that dude up, slice yeah. his face up. Um, those shot the guy with the gun in his arm. He. <laughs> He turns it around and blows his goddamn yep. head off. Um, and then, yeah, uh, Fisk at the end was, I, 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 again, really good. Just a good fight. Like, yeah. simple, two guys in a room, nothing else. And I really, really enjoyed that. But I think that also, you know, coming back to what we talked about, feeling the budget, like, not that it took away from the movie, but, like, there's a reason why that fight stayed in one room. Sure. That kind of thing. Like, sure. There's a reason, like, we didn't crash through walls into, like, a casino or right. into a kitchen, you know, like, and all these different things. Like, because, like, you are shooting on a budget. You only have so many cameras. You have only so much money towards props. And yeah, all you that kind only of stuff. have so many locations. Exactly. So, like, I think that's some, somewhat where you feel that budget is in that action of, like, there's only so much we can do and keep this thing reasonable. Sure. Like, we can still do a really good one-on-one single room fight sure. where there's great action but we can't like take this all across the city you know like there's no you know we have one high speed chase but it's pretty vanilla for a high speed sure. chase like, i think the t- i think the biggest the the <laughs> i think the budget went to two things i think it went to the the cgi in the film which is admittedly pretty great yeah um it's minimal um but it's pretty great and the two car accidents in the film yeah, like those two car accidents probably cost a million dollars. Yes, but they were good. Like they were really good, and they play on that. I'm, I'm going back to what I was saying before, dude. That opening crash when they're when they're in the automated car, and suddenly yeah. they realize, like, hey, wait, we're not where we're supposed to be. That's genuinely like weirded me out <laughs> because that's could be such a reality, like. Even the times where, like, I'm in an Uber and they take a wrong turn, I have a little moment of, like, um, you're going the wrong way, you know? And so as that started escalating, as it's like, well, what are we doing here? We're on the opposite side of town. So it's like, stop the car. Error. Slow down. Error. Manual override. Error. And I'm like, this fucking tear, like, legitimately... A cons- should be a fucking concern. Would you ever get into a driverless vehicle? You know, I, I, as as much as I just got done talking about how that was genuinely creepy, I'm all f- I'm 
all for technology advancing. Nope. So I'm out. you're out immediately. Oh well, one I enjoy driving too much, so That's I don't want to get in a driverless car. Now, if it was like, now what if it was your car, but you like scoot back from the steering wheel? No, I, I mean even even like Teslas and the whole you know autopilot or whatever it's called. Yeah. Like it has no appeal to me. Like I understand like. I'm sorry, I just don't trust it enough to like actually go off and do something like grab my iPad out and start, you, you know, know whatever while while it drives me. Like, sorry, I just don't one, I don't it's one thing even like trusting the car. Sure. It's another thing trusting like the other drivers that are out there. Sure. Like I don't trust the computer's reaction to be better than like me as like a seasoned driver. Now <laughs> Maybe this is the rabbit hole we're going to go down. But I have always contended that if if and when um, driverless cars get to the point of minority report, where everybody is flowing together, like that's the dream because that removes human error, that removes traffic jams that's everybody flowing in unison like that's the dream but as long as there is like this rough patch where we're trying to integrate automated vehicles with imperfect humans i feel like there's always going to be that concern do you feel like and this is probably an irrational thought but (laughs) do you feel like people's perception like as we start to get this new technology out will be influenced by the movies we grew up 100%. watching. 100%. Like, 1,000 fucking percent, Like, dude. do you think someone's like, and I'm trying to think of another uh, example other than uh, than a driverless car, but like... Like, you look at a flying car, self-lacing shoes, or like, look, like, let's take Back to the Future, for example. Like, a lot of weird, like, bullshit, like, side technology has developed simply because... The right nerds were like, how come we don't have this yet? I saw this in a movie. Sure. And that's why it exists. But I even think of like the Dwight Schrute line in The Office where he says, if you're going to build like a, a robot or like a <laughs> android, like build it like at like two-thirds size sure. so you're always bigger and can overpower it. It's a, fair, it's a very <laughs> good point, actually. I love that idea. Like... I, I'll tell you, man, there is a certain level of, like, driverless cars I'm interested in, virtual assistants. I've done a lot of research. I did a lot of research on AI and, like, big computing and, and stuff like that. And it's it, it really made it seem not that scary to me because all it is is just recognizing patterns. And it's just a collection of data that that resembles an intelligence but then I see these motherfuckers at Boston Dynamics or whatever creating murder bots that can open the doors for other murder bots who, <laughs> ki- who get up when you kick them down. And I'm like, why are we doing this? What is the application for this? What? It's like having a gun in your arm. What's the application? Well, that that kind of brings me to another part, bringing it back to the movie. Like... One of the things that I feel like if I have to put a knock on this movie, and, and there's plenty of things that you could put a knock on, and sure. it's a B film, um, is like they left, and I and you know I think you and I have differing opinions on this, but okay. they kind of leave some things very much unanswered or like don't really follow through on certain things. Like 
the first one, which I think we kind of agree on, like they kind of just like took for granted that like we should care about his mother, like <laughs> and the relationship with the mother, like. We didn't know the mother before he got in the car wreck. Nope. She just shows up to the hospital. She shows like, up in montage. Like a good mother would. Yeah. But, like, she's supposed to be, like, that tug on the heartstrings, like, when he's walking out the door later. Like, it's... Mom. Like, what are you doing? Like, I felt zero emotion when she was, like, crying, trying to keep him sure. to stay. Like, And I feel like... Obviously, that's something that they left. And again, it's... I don't disagree, but I also feel like they showed just enough of her being a good mom to be like, oh, she's a good mom. Sure, sure. You know? And that's all that matters. But then there's also something like the whole like hacker storyline. Like, he yeah. has to go to the hacker to basically get the override so like he doesn't have the ability to be shut down by Aaron. Right. Um, and she... We have this whole weird environment where like there's these this underworld of living in the VR world, almost like Ready Player One esque. Yeah. Um, these junkies who are strapped into Oculus Rifts who've been in as as they say, you know, the virtual world is less painful than the real exactly. world. Exactly. So you have that whole like fucking foreshadowing. And then you have her say the whole line of We can't let them we win. We can't let them win, like Who's them? Like right. corporations, can, technology, AI. Exactly. So, um, you know, obviously, they left it open ended enough, and I think, you know, one could argue: is it AI? Is it like the big corporations? I don't sure, because there's at least two. There's Vessel, and then there's that other one, Cobalt. Cobalt that are just referred to um, as major corporations, but that's really, they're all alluded to. They're not, it's not really explored or anything yeah. like that. And, and you, you know, you lack it, look at it as like, these are things left unanswered, which that's, you're not wrong. Sure. <laughs> but I look at it as like, this is a 90 minute B movie and there are these little touches that maybe are unanswered, but they certainly help fill in pockets of this world. Like, sure. Sure. We could learn more about, uh, Ves- was it was it what I say it was vessel and cobalt vessel and cobalt yeah. like sure we could learn more about them that's fine but that's not the story or sure we could learn more about this techno revolution that I'm sure that fucking hacker is involved in but that's not the story right now now this movie is probably gonna make ten million dollars in the box office not including whatever it pulls in on like home video sales and things like that so could we get a follow up maybe. And would that follow-up have, you know, Gray, a.k.a. Stem, being, you know, a leader of the techno-revolution? Uh, you know, would Gray still be fighting for consciousness? Who knows? But it's possible. Yeah. Well, I think one of the things to kind of on that note, like one of the things that... Because, like, if it was a traditional big-budget movie, like, we may have thought, like... Oh, they're making us think all line that like sure. Aaron and Vessel are kind of like a negative behind all right. this, right? Because it was somewhat predictable that that was a hit, not just a random accident oh. that killed his wife in the beginning. Sure, like the way that it's portrayed, like there's no way where you can say like this was a random accident like they literally get into a car accident and then a car of four dudes pulls up exactly and 
X pulls them out of the car and executes them. It's exactly. like, this is fucking planned for sure. But they, they planted a little bit of doubt. And again, I feel like it's B-movie doubt. like Because yeah. like we only have so much time and so much budget sure. of like, oh, these other people, like these four hitmen are like, they have all these cobalt implants. Right. So maybe, so like they maybe, were maybe it was her that was the hit. And Ooh. Maybe there's some story behind that. I did have that thought when he first found the cobalt that like they were like trying to snuff her out for something. Yeah. Um, so I had that thought too, but had you looked even at like the cast list, there was no other cast people. Right. Like we had never met anybody from Cobalt, <laughs> so like unless they were gonna introduce a character like, like fucking Donald Sutherland three, four, as the president the of Cobalt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which by the way, I feel like you could get for the sequel right? and be not not spending too much money. Donald yeah. Sutherland, I'm sure we can get him involved. So but one <laughs> one last item I wanted to talk about before we finish sure. is the concept of for lack of a better term, unhappy endings. Okay. Like, what's your opinion on unhappy endings? Um, I'm not against unhappy endings. Like, I think that, especially when you're talking about, like, genre films like this, a lot of times it's they just go for the risky ending anyways. Well, so many people have died. Like, even had he fought back against them... And right. got in control of himself. Like, what's really left what's for him? Really I guess mom's still there. Like, exactly. <laughs> like, um, I, I kind of worry for mom that mom's going to die after this film because... There's a... Cons- like, if Stem wanted to, he could go go take her out and whatever. I, I was okay with the ending of this film because I feel like it left it just open enough to where, like, there could ex- they could explore the possibility of him fighting back for control again and whatnot. And I also kind of, you know, they established really well, even with just that one little line earlier that, like, the virtual world is, is more, is pain, uh, what, there's less pain than the real world there, you know, and that's really what he wanted. I mean, the guy tried to kill himself at the beginning. All he really wanted to do was get back with his wife again. So it's sort of like a, f- it's not a happy ending, but like mentally speaking, maybe it's a happy ending <laughs> yeah. for him. Yeah. Um, but like you look at a lot of these genre films, like you look at the the invitation, you look at the guest, you look at a lot of these lower budget genre films, like they always end on, they never end on a, oh, everybody saved the day. Sure. No, they never do. Split didn't get out, sort of did, um, but like they always end with, you know, duh, duh. Yeah, you know, not not necessarily a to be continued, but almost like a it's like a Twilight Zone ending. You know, it's like oh, everything seems happy, or is it? Yeah. Um, and so I'm fine with that, especially in regards to like these kinds of films. Like, you can't end a goddamn Star Wars movie like this. Um, you can't like (laughs) you can't end a Marvel movie like this, despite the fact that Infinity War just got done doing what it did. Sure. Um. You know, that that leaves the possibility there's always going to be more of those. But this film and films like this, they can take those risks. Yeah. Um, Do you remember that movie? And it's in the similar genre, uh, Identity. With uh, Cusack and Cusack. Leota? Yeah. yeah. Same thing. Remember the ending to that film? That movie's dope, by the way. <laughs> that movie's phenomenal. I love that movie. Um, That movie's a little like Split. It's like it's, if Split were in 
you watch Identity and Split, and oh, there's like the a lot same, of similarities. There's a lot of similarities, yeah. but yeah, that's the point. Is like yeah. that's a genre film that's not necessarily a horror film. It's it's certainly a thriller. Yeah. Um, and it has that fucking Twilight Zone ending. Yep. Um, and I'm into that. Like, I love a good Twilight Zone ending every now and then. Um, I mean, you even look at a film. You haven't seen The Quiet Place yet, um, but A Quiet Place doesn't necessarily have a Twilight Zone ending, but it has a very unconventional ending that I found really satisfying. Um, so, yeah, I, I love I was into it. Were you into it? Yeah. I You know, I, I think like I like said, what's the end game? Yeah, I, I think I like diversity in in my endings. I think I like the unexpected. I sure. lo- that was one of the things I loved about identity. <laughs> like, you know, you went through this exhausting, like traditional horror film sure. of like where like people are getting taken out one at a time yeah. and then you think you get this happy ending but no it turned out like the girl's the psychopath and it's all in this guy's head and yeah. he's gonna kill the cop and whores don't get second chances oh shit yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you do remember that movie well damn that's a deep cut um but yeah, I'm I'm definitely into it. Like the guest had a similar ending as well, so I'm I'm all about it. And I, I thought this was really effective for sure. Um, so yeah, I go see the get go go see the guest. Rent the guest. Definitely, you should watch the guest. You I feel like you would enjoy that film quite a bit. See upgrade. Go see upgrade. Go spend go spend a matinee on it. I mean, if you can. You, there's worse ways to spend your money right now. If you don't feel like going to a a. Marvel or Disney or big franchise film. Here's here's something to avoid going to see book club. Right. Like if you don't want to go see fucking book club or you don't want to go see show dogs, (laughs) go see whatever Melissa McCarthy's in next. (laughs) Life of the party. The happy time murders, which we will we will be there for that. Uh, but yeah, Upgrade's solid film. Really, really enjoyed it. Uh, and you should check it out. But as always, as I mentioned before, follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, at The Popcorn Diet. Read all of our reviews. Get our latest episodes on our website, popcorndietpodcast.com. And wherever you're listening to us, you can subscribe, get weekly updates, weekly episodes delivered right to you, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts now. But for the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn, I am your very best good movie buddy rick williamson and we're gonna see you next time for another good year on the popcorn diet adios